0: And there we go, the Hangout on and Air. We are live. Yes, yes. So welcome to the Groovy podcast, wherever you are. Uh, my name is Ken Cousin, and I'm podcasting from uh, the area near Baltimore, Maryland this week. And Baruch, where are you?
1: And uh, hi, Ken. So we just moved to our new office today, so it's our, our first day in our Amazing office and it's two two store building and I'm on the upper floor. Wow! Here you can see some of it, right? Yeah, it
0: looks good. So
1: cool. Yeah, that's how we roll. It is. Mm-hmm. It is huge and amazing. It's a whole building for for our for us. It says like huge Jeffco sign on the on the entrance, and we are we are super excited. It's what, like wow. What city is it in? Uh, Sunnyvale. Oh, and it's sunny. Just, yeah, it's just uh, across the Mufet field um, where the Google self-play, self-flying pl- planes on, on or whatever they do there. So, yeah, we're <laughs> nearby.
0: Oh, well, congratulations.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that's that's a big deal.
0: Yeah. Um, so, uh, fortunately, neither one of us at the moment is in the path of the hurricane coming up the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, is getting clobbered. I think this area may or may not even get rain. Uh, I should be home before any of that happens, so put me back in Connecticut. Uh, we'll see. But for anyone who is affected by the hurricane coming up from Florida through the Carolinas, as well, uh, stay safe. Best wishes. Hope everything works out as well as it possibly can for you. Agreed. Uh, in the meantime, we'll try to keep you a little bit entertained with news and views from the Groovy Ecosystem. So, of course, our biggest piece of news this time, the biggest change, the biggest uh, event that happened is that at long last it looks like uh, Groovy, uh, Grails 3.2 is now released. And uh,
1: it's, a, it's a huge 3.2. one. It's a really big one. It could easily be four.
0: <laughs> four? <laughs> but it—it it is, yes. It's a very big deal. Do you want to comment on anything uh, in it?
1: Yeah, so um, a new, completely new Gorm. Um, that's the I think the the big the big deal. That's one of them. Yeah, with, with the with the reactive part. So ARG's Gorm. Um, right. Which they
0: which they called uh, by the way Gorm 6.0 now, and interestingly enough, uh, they actually opened up a separate website just for the manual for Gorm 6. So that instead of just going to grails.org and then going to the documentation, this is at gorm.grails.org, and that'll redirect to uh, look what looks to be the same GORM documentation we've used all along, except with all the new uh, features from uh, GORM 6 in it. Have you um, One thing I want to ask you, by the way, uh, one of the big features of the new GORM 6 is this multi-tenancy mode. Yes. Yes. Have you done anything with
1: that? No, I didn't play with it at all, and and I just you know re- in the release notes and a little bit in the documentation, so I have a clue what it is, but not yeah, not, I mean, not didn't get into any any details.
0: Yeah, multi. Uh, from what they discussed, because I know that uh, a couple people have looked at that, and it's something that has been requested. Uh, it seems to be, again, from the documentation, they claim it's a way to keep uh, multiple clients' data isolated from each other and still use it, and yes. I find that fascinating. I, I didn't even know that was something that happened a lot. I mean, we've been able to use multiple data sources forever, uh, but this idea of being able to keep uh, separate databases with separate connection pools for each tenant's data, or just even just separating by schemas, or even with just a discriminator, that's a that's a remarkable thing. I I'd never uh, Yeah, yeah.
1: About that. So I I think I think that was like the the requirement is out there if you if you are creating a multi-tenant SaaS application um there is always this dilemma on what will be the best way to separate the data and uh, if it comes from the framework itself it it makes life so much easier.
0: That's yeah, really powerful stuff and that uh that is one of the big features of gorm and of course the other new big feature of gorm is the reactive extensions what they're referring to as rx gorm uh based on rx java for what's the 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 buzzwords would be non-blocking reactive data access code which at the moment doesn't necessarily work with relational databases because they don't have reactive extensions, but the NoSQL databases like MongoDB, it does work. Now, they also claim they have an implementation for REST as well, which is very interesting. I wonder if that's how a lot of these things are going to be worked with in the future.
1: Yep, yep. That's uh, that's the, I would say that's the big deal in, in GORM 6, the, the reactive part, the part, and it's uh, very trendy now. Yeah. so yeah good good timing as well and definitely not behind just in time for the for all the um, you know all the all the carnival of reactive that is going on down there good stuff
0: yeah on that last edition of the group podcast that i got a chance to talk to dan woods about a lot of the reactive stuff and uh the um, increase in throughput that they're able to get due to a lot of the reactive programming, you know, that has been rather extraordinary. They're able to get a lot more scalability, a lot more volume for a lot fewer processors. And that's, that's really good. And eventually, at some point, the database connectivity stuff will become asynchronous as well. And then we'll see what changes that leads to. But in the meantime, Grails is ready for all that. They have all the RxJava stuff built right in.
1: Yeah, so if I'm not an error, there is a CFP for a async uh, JDBC. Ah, okay. From, from what I know, it's in very very early stages. They have some uh, POCs that I don't remember the name of the company behind uh, the um, uh, behind the this uh, this proposal. They of course have their own interest because they claim that they are more already than the others but it's all in very very early stages i don't know if java 10 is even the the target uh, the target version but as you mentioned eventually we will have uh, we will have async jdbc and then it will it will be really really dramatic
0: and rxform of course is already working for mongo and we'll see where it grows from there now the the other major feature of Grails uh, 3.2 appears to be these JSON views which make it remarkably easy to customize the JSON based requests and responses associated with RESTful web services. That too, by the way, has its own dedicated website on that. Uh, That's uh, under views.grails.org and I was looking at that now and they've got all this information with the JSON view API with the house support the template engine static compilation and so on everything all the way through i noticed i don't have a link to it in the show notes but i did notice that uh, jeff brown also published a a sample uh, related to json views Jason as part view of those as part of the part of the grail samples, part of the grail samples at, at, at have you dealt with uh, any of that
1: No, I just again, I just saw it. uh, Didn't didn't yet play with it in any way, but uh, yeah, it it again looks like a very a very nice addition, and uh, yep. So we'll we'll see how useful it is.
0: Well, just mention then, just by way of introduction for those who haven't used it, uh, Groovy has had builder classes forever, of course, and. They've had Markup Builder, I think that was one of the first, and then of course they've had a Swing Builder and an Ant Builder and all these others. Well, one of the things they introduced a few versions ago was the JSON Builder, and then they added on to the Markup Builder and the JSON Builder a streaming versions that are better able to handle large amounts of data. This one, the JSON Views, render JSON using Groovy Streaming JSON Builder, and that also goes along with the rewrite of the JSON Builder and the parsing and slurping classes that was done a couple of groovy versions ago in order to make that far more efficient as well. Uh, then when they when they render things using XML, they also use the, the markup template engine, which has been around for quite some time. Uh, the only thing I find somewhat amusing about this or ironic is that when you write your own view under Grails App Views, then they prefer to put the, the format they use, is they, they end the file extension with .gson, G-S-O-N, uh, so that when you make your own view, the example they use calls it hello.json and, and they have various other ones. To me, of course, and to most people, I suppose JSON always means uh, Google's JSON processor. Uh, that, of course, isn't necessarily implied here, but it's just funny. I assume that, that they're using it short for groovy JSON. Uh, but it's just ironic that we have the exact same extension that way. Yeah, so at any rate, they're able to use various annotations, like a field annotation. They're able to do content negotiation in the standard mechanism. Uh, they use templates the same way Grails has always used templates by putting an underscore before the name of the file. So you can have an underscore person.gson and then use that to render a whole series of person instances through the template, uh, and so on and so on. And when I was looking at the documentation at first, I, I followed it, but I got a little confused about where all these different pieces went. And it was really nice to also have the demo project out of GitHub to see how everything went together. I lost you there you're still you're still available well I will continue on confident in the fact that Baruch will rejoin Um, maybe the new building's got some lag in it who knows Uh, or maybe this is these are unexpected side effects of the hurricane can always blame everything on that right Uh, as we're going so regarding Grails 3.2 in addition to the addition of the new GORM features in GORM 6 and the, the Grails views, uh, the JSON views, then they also have uh, made improvements to the REST scaffolding as well as the JS scaffolding. So there is uh, extra information in the user guide on how to use those plugins or rather I should say profiles, which is a very nice useful thing because one of the difficulties that had been associated with profiles in the past was that they were effective but they lacked some documentation and that's clearly coming around. That's going to be a lot better. Another thing, and this is related to Grails in general, is that they have finished a port and now the user guide itself is backed by ASCII doctor. And ASCII Doctor, of course, is a very popular mechanism. Uh, I've used ASCII Doctor for all of my training materials for a while now. Uh, O'Reilly books are written using ASCII Doc, among other technologies. It's become a a very popular way to write HTML-based or PDF-based documentation, as I I think they have bindings for other types as well, being able to generate uh, EPUB or MOBI documentation as well. At any rate, GRAIL's documentation, of course, predated the move to ASCII-Doc and ASCII-Doctor, they preferred to use something I believe they called G-Doc. It was something much older. And now they've written scripts to port everything over to the the new ASCII-Doctor back end. And that means that in addition to having ASCII-Doc available, it's also very easy to make modifications to the documentation I think they even have a link that allows you to do that directly. <clears throat> Pardon me. When you see improvements that should be made to the documentation, you have an opportunity to do that immediately. And that's, that, of course, will encourage additional contributors to get a chance to, uh, to get involved and to help out on some of that stuff. At the moment, I'm still seeing Baroque, but I'm not hearing anything from him. So I'm going to plunge blindly onward And hopefully, he'll be able to uh, kick in when the opportunity arises. We also have our normal list in the show notes, which are posted at GitHub, uh, link in the the documentation, uh, to whatever else is new as well. And another release that came out relatively recently, I think it was about two weeks ago, but since our last news-based podcast, Was the release of Gradle 3.1. Now, this followed rather quickly on the release of Gradle 3.0. And 3.1 now uh, has a big emphasis on the multi project build feature, the so called composite builds. So, this uh, scenario that's now available is that the projects can be in different directories. I mean, prior to the multi project build capabilities, Then by being in subdirectories of each other with a settings.gradle file that identified which subdirectories were themselves Gradle projects. Now you can have your projects in different locations and use this composite build mechanism to incorporate them wherever they may be. And this is a big, big improvement. This is going to be very helpful for many people uh, in the future. So, right now, they they claim that there's more work to be done on this in the release notes, but it's definitely a promising feature for the future. So, they have done a lot of that. Uh, We have incremental builds as well. is a similar feature that uh, improves the release and the control you have over the up-to-date checks. And, in general, the rest of the improvements have been performance improvements for faster dependency resolution And they're claiming that Android users especially can see a huge improvement in performance as much as a 50% reduction in configuration and sync time for Android Studio. Uh, If anyone is using Gradle in Android Studio or if anyone is working with Android related projects, it'd be interesting to hear your experience on that. I'm sure they'd love to hear it on the Gradle forums as well. They also have made it so that you can cancel the builds when using the daemon. Just using a control C does in fact cancel the build, but do, no longer terminates the daemon itself, which is interesting. And when you combine this with the fact that one of the biggest innovations in Gradle 3 is that the daemon is on by default, this should help the development process a lot. Uh, so that that's very uh, a very useful capability and, and manages not to uh, remove you from the system when you have to cancel a build for some reason and then have to remember to start the daemon as well. I should mention, even though I don't necessarily want to, that of course the other thing in Gradle 3.1 is that now they have limited support for both the play framework and for the dreaded Kotlin language. Uh, Kotlin build script support is getting more fully featured syntax for declaring dependencies and faster code completion. Uh, I, I only hesitate to mention it because you, it's apparently impossible to mention Kotlin support in Gradle without that becoming a rather controversial and talk inducing topic. Uh, so I'll just mention it and move on. I know the plan has always been to have full Kotlin support within Gradle scripts uh, by the end of this year. It sounds like they're making considerable progress on that uh, goal, and they may, who knows, they may actually make that and may have to. Uh, Have full Kotlin support in the coming year and inevitably IntelliJ will add support for that within the IDE as well. So at any rate. We have a link to the the uh, release notes in the show notes for 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 Gradle 3.1 feel free to take care of it Uh, of course as usual it is now available under SDK manager so you can just do an SDK, install Gradle, and get the latest version and start trying it right out of the box. Uh, I haven't tried any of the new features, but I have, dem- I have satisfied myself that I can run all my old builds with Gradle 3.1 without any kind of a problem there. Uh, everything has been working fine. Now, next on our list, I want to mention that uh, Ratpack has a 1.4.2 release. That is a, an incremental release, if you will. The idea is that that's largely a, a patch that fixes several issues with the HTTP client and so-called server-sent events. You can take a look at the actual result, and there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of them. They did upgrade to Neti 4.1.5 final, and there's a few other issues mentioned in the release notes. I do get the feeling that Rat Pack is starting to get more and more attention within the industry, and that's, that's got to be a good thing. The 1.4.2 release being actually fairly quiet is a nice thing. It means that the product is becoming more and more stable, and hopefully you will find that interesting and useful in the future. Moving on on releases, one interesting release that has just been uh, announced recently is that Jeb, the browser automation tool that is really nice, now has a 1.0 release candidate version. This is a major jump because for seemingly years, Jeb has been in the 0.13 chain, and now they have... uh, created a release candidate that's ready to go now they claim that the differences between the 1.0 release candidate one version and the 0.13 version is not really all that dramatic it's mostly bug fixes and improvements and and but they are claiming that now the product is stable enough and and go ahead and use it now I have to say I have used it for quite some time off and on I'm not really uh, a great front-end person, and therefore I don't have a a lot of experience writing tests for front-end code. But I have used Jeb in the 0.13 chain for a long time, and I've never had a problem with it. Uh, My problems have generally been related to uh, browser drivers and things like that. And there are discussions of those issues in the book of Jeb, good old uh, Jebish.org, G-E-B-I-S-H.org. And the announcement was made... On the Jeb user mailing list, which is, believe it or not, still hosted at a Google Group. So we have a link in the show notes to the Google Groups uh, message where that was posted. And if you have questions or issues with Jeb, then the Jeb user mailing list, which is in fact hosted as part of this Google Group, is a good place to find answers. I do believe that Jeb may also, let me not Make an assumption here, but I thought they may also have a Slack channel as well well but a lot of the people involved in jeb are involved in many other groovy related projects so it's a nice place to to take a look as well if you have any questions there are also as a reminder and i've mentioned this on a couple of the earlier podcasts there are presentations that have been made at some of the earlier greatconf issues the the Great specifically in the U.S. and in Minneapolis last year, there were multiple presentations on JEB, and they tend to be very high quality. Uh, Craig Atkinson is a real expert there, and he's done some both basic and advanced presentations on JEB. For those few people who are listening who may not be aware of JEB at all, let me simply introduce it by saying that JEB is a groovy DSL that is a front end on the old Selenium API or nowadays web driver so it allows you to automate your browser any browser uh, using these drivers inside it so if you have any experience with Selenium or web driver then this uh, jet makes that whole process much easier also introduces a page model in order to make your your browser automation much more robust you're able to define regions on pages and and use them interactively. I also am sure this will be an interesting topic of discussion in the upcoming G3 Summit uh, near the end of this year. One API that we have unfortunately not spent a lot of time talking about, which fortunately now we get a chance to, is that Griffin released its 2.8.0 release at the end of September, 29 September. They released version 2.8. Griffin is the tool of choice for building desktop Groovy or even arguably desktop Java applications. It started off years and years ago as a fork of the Grails API without the GORM features and things like that, mostly just taking advantage of the nice model view controller separation and going from there. By now, it's a quite powerful, mature product that does have that MVC capability within it. It's uh, heavily annotation-based with MVC members, and and they have uh, plugins for a variety of view layers, including FXML and... Uh, Several others, Uh, Groovy FX I know is involved in there as well. And they're currently using, upgrading to use Gradle 3.1 and everything. So if you are a desktop Java or a desktop Groovy developer, it's good to know that uh, Griffin is still a very active project, still making considerable improvements and still available. And of course I am forced to admit that they also support Kotlin as well. But I suppose everybody will eventually. So well, and, let's,
1: ah, you're back. Hi. Yeah. Sorry about that. My computer crashed. Uh, and uh, but of course, for Kotlin, who if not you can highlight the the Kotlin support in uh, in Griffin, of course.
0: And you see yet another reason why I'm always reluctant to bring this up, but I do feel yes. obligated. Um, so I I, I know Andres will be happy. Uh, I was kind of giving Andres a bit of a hard time at Java 1, just mentioning, so is, is Griffin still active? Is anything going on there? And he just gave me the heavy sigh. I knew that that obviously he's been working very hard on that for a long time. So, yeah, so 2.8 release available.
1: And I think it, it has to do a lot with uh, the canoe investment in uh, fix They are very big supporters of this project. and And of course, it's only natural that Griffon supports uh, Javafix and makes actually Javafix better in that way that we can have the Groovy DSL on top of it and, and, and work with it.
0: It's definitely on my list of things to dig into. I mean, because it seems like it's so, so much better. You know, it's such an improvement over what we used to have. And I just haven't had that many opportunities to do anything desktop related. But I'm definitely going to have to find time to do that. Uh, while your computer was doing whatever it was doing, I, I went through the releases on Gradle 3.1 and some of the others. I know that uh, part of your talks at Java 1 related to the the multi-configuration, or, or pardon me, the, the multi-project builds the, uh, what do we call it?
1: Just... Modular, bi- not modular build. Um...
0: Yeah, yeah, Inter- I just... yeah. I just said, all right, I'll say, uh, I'll look it up again real quick. any rate, um, oh, composite builds, that's what I'm looking for. Yes, so, composite uh, builds, yes. Since you got a chance to play with that, do you have anything you wanted to comment on
1: about it? Yeah, so it's a very simple feature in terms of uh, how you use it and, and the concept, but it it's a very powerful one. It's the ability to run a couple of builds tied together and actually provide the outputs of the previous builds as dependencies for the former builds without actually needing to build or, or install or or deploy any uh, uh, artifact and, and then depend on that and by that of course simplifying a lot stuff like development of, of the plugins for example. So you can have now a, a Gradle plugin as a separate project and then just make sure that it's built and up to date before every build that actually uses it. And that's exactly the use case that I showed in my token Java 1. Comparing that, of course, to the old way or to the Maven way, when you uh, have to build an artifact, a jar file, out of your plugin, install it in your local cache, and then be dependent on, on this artifact. Now you don't need that. You ha- You can have those projects tied together, but still keep them separate as two different projects
0: that when you combine that with the build scans now of course that they make available I think you're seeing Gradle is really starting to separate itself from any other possible build tool around not only in the features that they provide but in the rapid pace of innovation and the support they're able to provide around it so that's really good to see uh the other mm-hmm. thing I mentioned while you were your machine was rebooting it was just the the Ratpack 1.4.2 release that uh, was mostly just a uh, incremental bug fix release on Ratpack but it's still just showing how stable it is and then I pointed to the the Jeb 1.0 release candidate coming out uh did you have anything you wanted to throw in about those or you're you're happy
1: about Well that? yeah no that's um, I, th- I I'm sure you covered both of them I heard most of your uh, Jeb um... And, and grief on uh, news updates and, and they they are just fine. There are a couple of topics that we have left of course the Tayobi index, the one that everyone so love to uh, to declare as wrong and and uh, not uh, you know not not objective but eventually everybody um, have to mention especially if the your uh, language of choice is going up. So I guess we are pretty happy with the Tayobi Index uh, uh, this month. Uh, Groove is up to uh, 16th place. And uh, it's been in the 20s for uh, more than half a year, I guess, already. And uh, uh, not showing any signs that it's expected to get out of the 20. And that's, of course, a, a a great place to be
0: yeah when I was uh, back in the day when I did engineering and research and things like that, we used to say that uh, there's an old cliche that i don't I don't remember where it comes from, very old one used to say that all models are wrong but some are useful. and the tyobi index is a deeply flawed measure of popularity of programming languages and there are I've seen many articles about how impossible it is to break into the top ten and you know that the you're measuring a very weak signal and all kinds of stuff like that but Honestly, I'd rather be in it than not in it. I'd rather it be showing that there is a level of adoption going on rather than not doing so. And Ruby does seem to have entered a a region where it's relatively stable in the index in the lower 20s or the lower and upper 20s. So that's very helpful.
1: Yeah, and and I think it goes back to uh, the um, your topic that you had a couple of keynotes about uh, the the perception of Groovy versus the reality. And mm-hmm. Tayobi index is is what helps the perception. And we we don't know we don't need it, but other people those who uh, see now Groovy as a kind of uh, weak spot because of all the reasons that, that we all know, this is something that actually helps the, uh, helps the perception.
0: Yeah, and probably partly what led to some of this as well is the move to, uh, to becoming an Apache project. Yes, absolutely, uh, yeah,
1: I, I'm sure that's, that's a very big deal.
0: You know, on an unrelated topic, just to bring it up, uh, did you notice that NetBeans is now an Apache incubator project?
1: Yes, it happened a couple, uh, couple of weeks ago, I guess, uh, yeah. Java 1. It was an announcement of Java 1. Yeah, and
0: I and mean, uh, I don't know how to interpret that. I mean, I still see very, very few people who are actually using it, but the ones who are using it seem to be very happy with it. Uh, is this Oracle's way of saying that they're not interested in supporting anymore, or are they still going to be funding the people who are working on it?
1: well there I think there are two two ways to look at it. first is uh, yes, we are stop sponsoring and and go to Apache and make your own living, uh, but the other is uh, um, it's a community project open source free it's always have been we want to make it a more independent, less branded as oracle uh, and and that's of course a good thing
0: yeah, so i mean I've always kind of considered the Netbeans group as um, they small, but very vocal community, you know, they don't like yep. to be overlooked, but they also don't really have that much in the way of market share. Uh, but they now that the Eclipse is kind of getting old and creaky in a lot of ways, uh, NetBeans may eventually become the open sor- source alternative if you're not willing, if your company is not willing to spend the money on, a, on an IntelliJ license. Well,
1: Intelli-J, IntelliJ Community Edition is, is, is also very powerful, and it's open source, so that will be your other option. Uh, but, uh, you know, the more the merrier. Uh, of course, uh, mm-hmm. having, uh, having competition is, is good. And uh, kind of, kind of decl- decline of Eclipse that we see um, is worrying, so having another idea, stepping up to give a fight to IntelliJ, it's a good thing.
0: Yeah, and they've had Groovy support since, I think it was like 6.5 or something. So they've had it for years and years now. So that's helpful. Now, of course, speaking of Groovy-related people that are spending their time working on the language itself, uh, I found it fascinating that uh, OCI, who eventually apparently is going to employ everybody in the Groovy community, uh, recently hired Paul King. So Paul King, the, the... my personal hero and Groovy committer extraordinaire is now going to be working on Groovy for OCI uh, when they're focusing on Grails.
1: If I'm not an error, Paul, can you have the most contributions to Groovy programming language? Uh, um, that, I think,
0: he was for a while, and then Cedric Champot passed him, but Cedric oh. was funded to do that. And now Cedric is doing other things in addition to Groovy. So Paul may either reclaim the title or I think it'll come down to whether he wants it or not. <laughs> but either way, those two are both just outstanding and have done extraordinary works for the, the Groovy community.
1: Yeah, and, and knowing that Paul King is going now to be a, a on salary for, for improving Groovy are, are green use, And uh, uh, again, going back to the perception, here you go. Uh, we we now have uh, again a team uh, of uh, of great engineers that work on the on the language and and full time job. So yeah, that those are those are great news both on the technical side and on the perception side as well.
0: I'm really looking forward to talking to Paul and finding out what his plans are, you know, because not just his, but the the groovy core team itself, uh, what they're hoping to do, especially now that he's going to have a job to do that. I don't know when I'll get a chance to talk to him directly, but uh, I do know I'll see him at the G3 Summit. So the G3 Summit, just as a reminder, is in Fort Lauderdale at the end of November, November 28th through December 1st. Uh, hosted by the same No Fluff, Just Stuff people who have our nice little webpage as well. And Paul King is, I believe, scheduled to give talks there. So he'll make it all the way from Oz, and, and we'll get a chance to talk to him. And if we do do a live Ruby podcast from there, we definitely have to make sure that he's involved.
1: Yes, absolutely. We will be, uh, a, first of all, we will uh, uh, record a live podcast, and of course, Paul King will be involved. So it's a yes and yes on both of them.
0: Yep. Now, there's one other thing that was in our show notes that I should, oh, uh, by the way, something I didn't put in that was in the Grail's Diary this week. Again, we should mention that the Grail's Diary is just a phenomenal resource for keeping up with what's going on in not just the Grail's world, but the Groovy world as well. They did mention that uh, Groo CSS was released. Uh, this Based on Groo script, to mentioned uh, a mechanism for you know, converting strings and working with CSS. Uh, I have not done anything on the Groo script side. Uh, as I say, I'm not really a front end person. But I figured at least I ought to mention it. It was in the Grail's diary, so it was worth mentioning uh, here as well. So then the okay, okay, and then the the final thing that we have in the show notes that is worth talking about. Uh, again, I'm not sure what to say about it. Uh, there is a Grail's three book that is at least planned, uh, Eric. I'm assuming it's Helgeson, or I I don't really know how to pronounce it, uh, H-E-L-G-E-S-O-N. If he he wants us to correct that, please send a note or uh, Twitter at at Ruby Podcast. You know, we have our Twitter account. At any rate, he's got a book that's planned called Practical Grails 3. And right now, uh, there's a website where you can put your email address in and then get notified when it is available. I remember when he mentioned it, there was a, a lot of discussion about how far along it was. He claimed that it had been was uh, very much on the way to being written. Uh, I guess we'll see. Uh, so we'll definitely talk more about that when the book is released, but there will be sections in there on not only just basic grails, but on the REST APIs, on reactive grails, on building and deploying, and so on. So uh, it of sounds course. very promising. Pardon yeah,
1: me. yeah. That that. Uh, I mean, of course, all those have to be there in this book. If it's a book of girls three, it should include the reactive part and, and everything else. So yeah, definitely looking forward.
0: Yeah, there's a there's a link to a GitLab repo, but I don't have a GitLab account, and apparently you need one in order to get in there. So I haven't really looked at it. I I don't tend to dig too much into books before they're released anyway. But I <laughs> uh, I am looking forward to seeing that. You know. Uh, I believe it's just gonna be an ebook and we'll see how uh, how that goes. So we certainly wish him the best of luck and, and yes. hope that that there's Always. a lot of progress Always. on this. Absolutely. Um in terms of conferences, we should mention I think the call for proposals for papers is still available for a great conf in India, which will be in New Delhi in, in January.
1: And I think also Europe at least. I don't know about US but uh Great mm-hmm. conf Europe next year. Summer next year already have the CFP open, right. so that's yeah. Right. It's so submit submit early, submit often, <laughs> and uh, yeah,
0: yeah. And again, just generally, uh, we want to thank No Fluff Just Stuff for the website hosting and also the opportunity to give Ruby related talks on the tour there. Uh, The Grail's Diary, I already mentioned, is a great source of information. And uh, Groovy Calamari is hit, I believe, what is it, their 50th issue or something like that. Uh, Sergio Del Amo does a lot of work with uh, Groovy Calamari. I think his latest edition was focused entirely on the GORM 6 changes. And uh, good, he he always uh, has some focus to the issues, and they they point to links where people have spent a lot of time working out the details. So that's very helpful also. Anything else uh, you wanted to mention? Where where are you going to be next?
1: No, so I'm off now to the airport in a couple of minutes, uh, just back in and leaving to DevOps Days Boise. Um, oh. Next week, um, I have two great conferences, one in Russia, the other is in Ukraine. I will see Andres in uh, St. Petersburg, and I'll see a bunch of Sprint guys, Jochen and, and all the team in, in Kiev. We're going to do the Groovy Puzzlers in St. Petersburg, um, uh, and uh, it will be a lot of fun.
0: Well, that's... uh, I mean, I travel a lot, but you probably traverse triple the miles I do. Uh, I'm going to... uh, I've got some No-Fluff conferences in Chicago coming up next week, and then in Seattle in two weeks, uh, and briefly in Minneapolis as well. In in between, also, there's the Connect Tech Conference that's uh, front-end stuff. I'm going to be doing some Android stuff there in Atlanta. Nice. No Fluff and Rest in Virginia as well. This is a busy time on the No Fluff Tour. There's like five or six weeks in a row, practically, ending in uh, Denver, I believe, in the middle of November. And then, of course, that leads to the G3 Summit down in Fort Lauderdale, followed by the Rich Web Experience as well. So I've got those various things going on in addition to regular stuff. Uh, Also, hopefully, planning to do some recordings again relatively soon. Uh, In the meantime, I hope to run into you again, and we'll see if we can plan another podcast when we can get all the machines working at the same time.
1: Yeah, so I I believe that next time we'll have some time to record something will be beginning of November. It's uh, like probably three weeks from now. We'll try to pull it off, and we'll be in touch.
0: Yeah, that sounds like a reasonable plan. and Unless something, of course, comes up, and then we'll see. I do really enjoy doing some of the interviews, too. So if I get a chance to talk to somebody, I'll just add a, another special edition where uh, we'll get a chance to, uh, rather than have a newsy podcast, we'll do that. Based one. Yep. Yeah,
1: um, you should. They are just great. Oh, they're a lot of fun. All right. Okay, saying that, I have to run to the airport. It was a pleasure to, see, to speak with you and see you all soon.
0: Oh, and you too. And, and hopefully this will be available later tonight on iTunes and and whatever your podcast tool of choice is. Uh, thank you very much for coming, and and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.